Welcome to Shortcut to Slim, a research-based podcast on dieting and nutrition brought to you by GetMealPlans.com. I'm your host, Lindsay S. Nixon, and in this episode, we're learning all about the magical world of food psychology, how the color of your plate can make you overeat or eat less or determine whether a meal will be satisfying or not. This information is super helpful if you're trying to eat less without feeling deprived or if you want to trick your family or yourself into liking healthier foods. Plus, you'll learn all about a science I've wanted to geek out on forever but couldn't really find the opportunity. Here's a hint. It has to do with taste and how dumb your mouth is. But first, let's talk about optical illusions. I'm obsessed with Brian Wansink and his book, Mindless Eating. This, this is not news. One of my favorite tips from that book was to use smaller dishes. I found this exceptionally helpful when I started cutting calories and eating smaller portions. For me, food filling a small bowl or a small plate was much more visually pleasing than seeing a little bit of food on a large plate. It just helped me not to be reminded I was eating less food all the time. There's a lot of science around why you should do this too. The Delboeuf illusion is an optical illusion of relative size perception. I know, that was a lot of words. And it's difficult for me to tell and not show this, so if you can, hop on over to the show notes to see the visual images. Visit getmealplans.com slash podcast. But putting it in words as best as I can here, we misjudge the size of two identical circles when those circles are surrounded by other circles of varying sizes. What this means for us is that larger plates can make a serving of food appear smaller. This then decreases satiation and satisfaction, leading the diner to feel deprived. But on the positive flip side, smaller plates can lead us to misjudge that very same quantity of food as being significantly larger than it really is, helping you to feel satiated and satisfied on less food. Again, this is difficult to explain without a visual, so be sure to visit the show notes and look at the images. It's a total mind bender to see how the same serving of food can look puny or abundant based purely on the size of the plate it's sitting on. Visit getmealplans.com slash podcast to see the images. Here's another thing. The larger plate can also make you unconsciously serve yourself more food and make you misjudge how much you've actually eaten. Take this bowl study, for example. At a health and fitness camp, campers were given a large bowl or a smaller one. The campers who took the larger bowl served and ate 16% more cereal than those given the smaller bowls. And get this, even though they were eating more cereal, they estimated they ate 7% less than the campers with the smaller bowl. Remember, this was a health and fitness camp. That means these campers had more experience and awareness with serving sizes than the average person, and they still got it so wrong. This shouldn't be too surprising, though. You heard me say this over and over in season one. We humans are hideously inaccurate at guessing calories or portion sizes. Even nutrition experts misjudge and underestimate in every study and trial. If you aren't losing weight counting calories, I can guarantee part of it is because you're eating more than you actually realize. All right, so when it comes to bowls and plates, size matters. But what about the color? The color of your plate can nudge you to eat more food or less food. Specifically, if your food is the same color as your plate, you'll serve yourself 18% more. This can be a great strategy in getting picky kids to eat more food. Use a plate that is the same color as the food being served. 
Similarly, if you want to get yourself to eat, say, more salad or kale, serve it on a green plate. On the other hand, if you want to eat less food, do the opposite. Serve it on a plate that isn't the same color. Really focus on that contrast. Now this next part is super interesting for overeaters. So if you're an overeater or a volume eater, pay attention. Serving food on a red plate tends to reduce the amount of food the diner eats. Food psychologists speculate this happens because we tend to associate red with danger. But before you go to Amazon right now and order red plates, consider this. The color of your plate can also affect taste. I know, this is hard to believe. How could a plate color possibly affect how food tastes? But let's think back to the Jell-O story in episode two, where the chef put red food dye in lemon Jell-O and all the sailors thought it was cherry. Or let's think about the more recent wine studies where even die-hard wine enthusiasts can be tricked into thinking they're drinking a Merlot when what they're actually drinking is white wine with red food dye. If changing the actual color of a food or drink can trick your mind into thinking it's a totally different flavor, well then, why wouldn't the same food taste different on a different colored plate? Here's what experimental psychology research have found with plates and taste. This is really helpful information if you want to rock a dinner party or get your family to like healthier foods. In general, round, white plates tend to enhance sweet flavors, whereas dark, angular plates tend to bring out more savory flavors. The color of a mug can also alter the drinker's perception of how sweet and aromatic hot cocoa is, and drinks magically become more thirst-quenching when they're consumed from a blue glass. My favorite study on this involved brownies. All right, maybe I'm just a little biased because it involves brownies. But in that study, 175 people at a cafeteria were given a free brownie and they were asked what they thought of it. Every brownie was the same size and made from the same recipe. The only difference was how the brownie was presented. Some folks were handed their brownie on white china, others on a paper plate, and others on a paper napkin. Those whose brownie came on china rated it as excellent. Some even complimented the chef. The paper plate people said it was good, and the napkin people rated it as okay, but nothing special. This was the same brownie, guys. I'm beginning to think this is why my parents like eating at my house so much. My mother is convinced I'm always holding back some secret ingredient because she can never, ever replicate my food exactly at her house. While it could be as simple as food tasting better when someone else makes it, I think it could also be that I don't use paper plates. I need to do more research on paper plates. Hmm. Speaking of my plates, here's where I admit I own Fiestaware, which means I have a rainbow of different plate color options. I have two plates that I use more often than others, white and navy blue. I'm pretty territorial with these two dishes and it never occurred to me why. Why did I favor them? Especially when green is my favorite color and I have two green plates that I hardly ever use. After learning all this about plate colors, I started looking back over my Instagram photos and realized when my meal is savory, such as at dinner, I almost always use my dark blue plate. And if it's dirty for some reason, then I use the dark brown one. And then with breakfast, that's why I'm always using my white plate, which happens to be when I eat sweeter things like muffins or pancakes. And if the white plate is dirty, I use one of the other light ones, like the super light yellow one or the cream one. Coincidence? And in case I lost you all back there, it happens. 
Here's a quick summary. If you want to eat less, eat on a red plate. If you want to eat more, eat on a plate that is the same color as your food, meaning if you want to eat more kale, serve it on a green plate. The power of perception is amazing. A quick note about utensils before I move on to the power of presentation. Utensils absolutely make a difference too and can change how food tastes. For example, in one study, people rated the same yogurt 15% tastier and more expensive when it was sampled on a silver spoon instead of a plastic one. In another study, people rated cheese as tasting saltier when it was eaten off of a knife compared to a toothpick or a fork. Researchers theorize utensils create a mental seasoning because most of us associate silverware with high quality food and plastic utensils with poor quality food. There's so much in the power of presentation. Speaking of that, let's talk some more about presentation. As any Instagrammer can attest, how your food is presented and kind of artfully arranged matters when it comes to likes. Restaurant chefs will tell you this too. There is a power in presentation. We eat with our eyes so much that even with super basic dishes, a thoughtful presentation can make the diner rate the food as more flavorful than it really is. Simple hacks like cutting meat horizontally or serving cucumber thinly sliced on top of other salad ingredients has been shown to make a meal considerably more appetizing and appear to be more expensive. In the case of the salad, diners were willing to spend three times more for that decorative cucumber. I've also included a really terrific meme demonstrating this in the show notes, so definitely visit getmealplans.com podcast for all of the accompanying visuals. Now, if you're thinking, Lindsay, I like pretty food, but I barely have time to make it, no worries. Too much fuss is off-putting anyway, but taking one extra minute for a thoughtful presentation, that's all it takes. And isn't that minute worth it if it leads to a more enjoyable meal if you're going to feel more satiated and satisfied? This especially applies to children, by the way. Researchers are finding that food that's more carefully arranged sets up dinnertime success with kids, where food that's sort of plopped on the plate makes them more suspicious. A simple garnish can mean the difference between success and failure, especially when feeding someone who's skeptical or picky or maybe isn't so sure of the healthy fare you're serving. Think of it like this. If you peak expectations that the food will taste great, then it will. To recap, take a second to artfully arrange your food. If nothing else, add a garnish. It can be as simple as a squiggle of hot sauce. Expensive looking plates and silverware or nicer utensils can also boost perceived quality. I've also included some easy tips with pictures on how you can plate your food like a pro in the show notes. Finally, I've been waiting to geek out on the nose and sort of the science behind how we really taste things. And I think this is probably the best opportunity I'm going to get on this podcast, so let's get ready for me to throw down my favorite science. A lot of what we think as flavor is actually retronasal olfaction. Olfaction is the scientific term for smelling through your nose. For my fellow word and Latin nerds that know retro means behind and nasal means nose, you've probably put it together that retronasal olfaction means smelling behind the nose, which is really a complicated way of saying mouth smelling. Now you might be wondering, mouth smelling? What? I'll explain. When you eat, little puffs of air carry the aroma chemicals in the food you're chewing up a passage in the back of your mouth to your nose. This is why when you drink flavored water, you don't really get the taste until you exhale, or why food tastes off or bland when you're stuffed up. 
Of course, this got me thinking about our other senses. If our eyeballs and nose can affect what we perceive as taste and satisfaction and everything else, what's up with the ears? They're in this flavor game too. Researchers have been able to trick chip eaters into thinking stale chips were fresh and fresh chips were stale by putting headphones on them and playing muffled pre-recorded chewing noises. So it turns out that our mouth is pretty dumb when it comes to whether something tastes good or not, that it's basically a whole circus that doesn't even involve our mouth. In fact, you can only taste sweet, salty, bitter, sour, and umami. Perceiving anything beyond those five dimensions, such as distinguishing the flavor of an apple from a pear, requires retronasal smell and or your eyeballs. Finally, I have one more random tidbit I just have to slip in. One of my best friends spends her days applying neuroscience to marketing. In school, she studied the sound of Coca-Cola, specifically how pleasing the sound of opening a can of Coca-Cola is. It's Coca-Cola specifically, other cans of soda do not have this same effect. Even if you're not drinking the Coca-Cola yourself, but you hear someone else open a can, you get a little pleasure hit off of it. Coca-Cola knows this, of course. That's why they play the sound in every one of their commercials. Science. You've been listening to Shortcut to Slim. If you like what you've heard, please rate it on iTunes. It really helps. You can get more information about these topics and learn more about other episodes on getmealplans.com slash podcast. And this is definitely one episode where you really want to visit the show notes to see all the visuals. I'm your host, Lindsay S. Nixon. Download your free seven-day research-based meal plan at getmealplans.com and leave the science and guesswork to me. Thanks for listening.